This is Shi'ar Jashub, coming from Shi'ar Jashub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut. Hi, I'm Patty Scalzo, and today we will be continuing the Heavenly Authority series taught by my husband, Pastor Greg Scalzo. We are in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 11. In this section, Saul, the newly appointed king of Israel, receives a distressing message from Jabesh-Gilead. Nahash, the Ammonite, has encamped against this Israelite town and threatened to destroy it unless the people make a covenant with him to be his servants and to have each person's right eye put out. The elders of Jabesh have sent out messengers looking for someone to save them. And when Saul receives the news, the Spirit of God comes upon him and his anger is greatly aroused. Saul sends a warning throughout Israel that they are to join him in battle. And the fear of the Lord falls on the people and they come out in unison behind Saul. Here now is Pastor Greg. Jesus told his disciples in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 28, he said, And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in Gehenna. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin, and not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. Don't fear men. Fear God. And trust in him. Trust in his protection. Trust in the fact that he has every hair, every gene, every bit of us counted. And he protects us in this world. And if we die in this world, he will resurrect us into the next. Now, the time we live in is a challenge. Do we as a people visibly come out as one man behind our king and preach the good news of his salvation? Do we rally around the Lord Jesus Christ and in this time as we approach dangerous days, come out from our villages and tell people about the Lord? Jesus goes on to say in Matthew chapter 10, he says, therefore, whoever confesses me before men him will I also confess before my Father, who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father, who is in heaven. Do we confess Jesus Christ in these dangerous times? Notice, in also in Matthew chapter 10, how he goes on from there. He tells them not to fear, to fear God, not men. He tells them we need to confess him, otherwise he won't confess us. And then in verse 34, he says, Do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. 
I heard this recently misquoted by someone that was trying to say, well, all religions are alike. And see, Christianity uh, is just as terrorizing as other religions because Jesus said, and they quoted the scripture, do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. And you know, you find yourself almost hollering at the television because what a misinterpretation of this section. Jesus obviously is telling them here that a man's own enemies will be those of his own household. That people are going to hate you. The sword he's speaking about is a sword of division that divides those who respond to Messiah from those who despise him. And how when you follow Jesus Christ, if they hated him, they will hate you also. And you might find the very members of your family as your enemies. He wasn't saying take up a sword in a holy jihad. He's saying rather, there's a sword that's going to come down between and divide you from others, and they will hate you. The harm will be done to you because of your belief in him. We wind up suffering, not that we're being told to go and make them suffer, as other books do. This Bible tells us that don't think it's all going to be peace and roses. You know, there's a sword that comes down that divides, and those on the other side are going to hate you if you believe in him. And what happens, even the members of your own household, that's why he says, take up your cross and follow me. A cross is something where you suffer. You're going to suffer because of your belief in Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, it says in Luke chapter 21 and verse 16, you will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but not a hair of your head shall be lost. By your patience, possess your souls. Save yourselves by patience. Endure. Because here's a God who will resurrect us. Who is the harm being done to? That whole section is speaking about the sword of the vision that will result in Christians being persecuted. And here is this TV commentator, out of context, quoting the scripture to show what Jesus said to spread Christianity by a sword. And she's not speaking about the sword of the word of God. You know, the spiritual battle of converting people from darkness to light by pleading with them and beseeching them and showing the gospel of love. Jesus quoted it out of context. Why? They despise him without cause, without reason. There's no reason for it. And as they despise him without reason, it's irrational. They despise us who believe in him. Let's go back to 1 Samuel. So Saul, you know, riles the people up, verse 8. And when he numbered them in Bezek, the children of Israel were 300,000 and the men of Judah 30,000. And you start to see a beginning of a division in the land that the people are numbered separately. And they said to the messengers who came, Thus you shall say to the men of Jabesh-Gilead, Tomorrow, by the time the sun is hot, you shall have help. And the messengers came and reported it to the men of Jabesh, and they were glad. They were glad to hear about salvation. Therefore the men of Jabesh said, Tomorrow we will come out to you, and you may do with us whatever seems good to you. So they put off Nahash for a day until Saul can get there. So it was, verse 11, 
And you see the wisdom of Saul, how the spirit comes upon him with zeal, how the anger of the Lord burns upon him, how wisdom comes upon this man who just likes to go back and herd the, the oxen and searches for the donkeys. Saul put the people in three companies and they came into the midst of the camp in the morning watch and killed the Ammonites until the heat of the day. And it happened that those who survived were scattered so that no two of them were left together. So it's a great victory. And you have the first great victory under Saul, the wisdom of God. Saul becomes a different man. All of a sudden, Saul, the humble man who hides in the baggage, becomes a leader. And God now testifies that leadership by giving him a spirit-anointed victory over these cruel, merciless Ammonites. No two of them are left together. Then the people, verse 12, said to Samuel, Who is he who said, Shall Saul reign over us? Bring the men that we may put them to death. Now that they know that Saul is the king, God has shown it with this victory that he has given. They want to put the, those who were rebels or troublemakers to death. Verse 13, But Saul said, Not a man shall be put to death this day, for today the Lord has accomplished salvation. In Israel. This is a day of salvation. This is a day of deliverance. This is a day of grace. And by being a day of grace, Saul says, we're not going to put anybody to death. We're not going to kill those rebels. You think back to the Gospel of Luke in chapter 9 of Luke when Jesus is going down to Jerusalem and they go through Samaria and it says in verse 52, and sent messages before his face as they went they entered the village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? But he turned and rebuked them and said, You do not know what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. The Spirit of Jesus Christ, the salvation, the love he had. And even when he's rejected by these people and the disciples, they want to call down fire from heaven. He says, no, you don't know the spirit you're of. Saul tells the people, not this day. This is a day of grace. This is a day of salvation. Very quickly, look back with me to Luke chapter 4. When Jesus went into the synagogue in Nazareth, he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And he opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. Isn't that what happened? With the deliverance of Saul, those people got back their sight. And every person blind that came to Jesus Christ got back their sight. And sinners who were spiritually blind got back their sight. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. The zeal of the Lord to help those who are oppressed. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and he gave it back and he said, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. We've seen the King Saul 
called, chosen, anointed. We've seen his travels of obedience from Bethlehem to Bethel. We've seen him filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesying. We've seen him proclaimed to the people at Mizpah. And now we've seen the king victorious. And there's a victory that Jesus provided that is way greater than that. In Colossians chapter 2 and verse 14, it tells us that he took away the requirements, handwriting that was against us and nailed it to the cross. In verse 15, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Thank you for joining us today. You have been listening to the teaching ministry of Greg Scalzo, pastor of Shear Jeshub Christian Tabernacle of Madison, Connecticut. We know it is terribly difficult to find the time to write in today's fast-paced world, but if you could find the time to drop us a postcard, your words of encouragement would be a real blessing. Our address is Shear Jeshub Christian Tabernacle, Post Office Box 518, Branford, Connecticut, 06405. And as always, we welcome you to join us at our church service. Shear Jeshub Christian Tabernacle meets every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. in the upper room of the Madison Memorial Hall on Meeting House Lane in Madison, Connecticut. Take I-95 to exit 61. Go south to Route 1. Turn right, and at the next light, turn right again. May the Lord's presence overflow in your life as you serve Him.